Amen. Amen. Turn your neighbor and tell them it's going to be good tonight. You can be seated. Well, since this isn't going on radio, I say every week, we've got to be sure of two things. Anybody need one of our manuals? Does anybody need a manual? If you do, raise your hand. Okay, here, keep it up, and they'll run one to you. Are you all ready to run them to them? They weren't ready. They need to be ready every Wednesday night. Then how many of you need a pen? If you don't have a pen, you're lost in this class. Okay. Now, some of you are next to a woman. They always have pens because they have purses, and we don't. But if you need a right over here, Aaron, and keep your hand up, and we'll get the manual to you. All right, very good. And uh, right over there, and if you need a pen, keep your hand up and we will get you a pen. All right, so the rest of us, so we're all good. Amen. All right, tonight, we're, we're starting on page 39. This is our growth track. I love this growth track. It is an incredible um, tool, series of teachings. Here's another one right here, guys, right there. And you need a manual or a pen? A manual, Okay. Okay, next week we need to be ready with manuals because people are always coming in with needing a manual. All right, now, all right, page 39 is where we are, and we're going to talk about holy habits tonight. How many of you have ever had a bad habit? Tell the truth. How many of you have got one you wish you could get rid of tonight? Don't raise your hand. I'm just wondering. Boy, there's a bunch of us. We're going to have an altar call right here. Oh, boy. Well, then you know, if there's bad habits, there's good habits, right? And I like to call the good habits, or the the habits that help us to grow spiritually, I call them holy habits. And we're going to talk about three holy habits tonight, and then we're going to close out by talking about how to get a habit, how to form a habit. Because did you notice that when you did your bad habit, when you were forming your bad habit, at first, your bad habit didn't feel good. I brought up the illustration last week of smoking. I used to be a smoker. I was a Marlboro kid. I started smoking. This is terrible, but I started smoking when I was 13, and I quit when I was 16. So I got over it quick, but, man, I was hooked. I was hooked on that. But I remember the first time I took a pull on that cigarette. Look, want to look cool. That's the only reason I did it. I want to look cool. All my friends were doing it, and, and to me it was just cool to stand on a corner with that thing hanging out of your mouth. And the smoke just going up into your nose and driving you crazy and making your eyes water. But you tried not to make it look like that was going on. You were cool. I remember the first time I inhaled it, I thought I was going to die. But I persevered. And until it felt right. But a bad habit starts out not feeling right. It doesn't feel natural. But then you do it enough and you develop the habit where it's normal for you. Well, a good habit's the same way. It's not always easy to develop a good habit. It doesn't feel natural sometimes to get up a little bit early in order to get with God. But once you form the habit, it feels totally natural. And you realize that when you don't do it, you go through withdrawals, right? So there's bad and good. Now, let's look. Time with God. Here's the first holy habit. Time with God. James 1.25 says, The one who looks steadily at God's perfect law and makes that law his what, everyone? Habit. 
not listening and then forgetting, but actively putting it into practice, will be happy in all that he does. Well, I want to be happy. So here's a habit that's going to make me happy, getting with God. Now, here's a definition of a quiet time. That's what we call time with God. Daily time with God is a quiet time or a devotional time. Here's the definition. A quiet time is a daily time I set aside to be alone with God, to get to know him through the Bible and prayer. Now, for me, if you want to go from spiritual diapers into adulthood, you'll never do it without developing a quiet time with God daily. This is a must. This is why it's the first one. We have to have a daily time with God. Now, here's the importance of a daily quiet time. Your time alone with God should be the top priority in your schedule for five reasons. One, we were created to have fellowship with God. We were created to have fellowship with God. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created man in his own image. And then look what Jesus said in Revelation 3.20. Look, I've been standing at the door and constantly knocking. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and what everyone fellowship with him and he with me. So we were created to have fellowship with God. It says Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the garden before the fall. Now, the second importance of a daily quiet time with God is Jesus died to make a relationship to God possible. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God has invited you into this wonderful friendship with his son, Christ our Lord. Jesus said, if you do what I command you, uh, I call you my friends. Okay? Third, personal time alone with God was Jesus' source of strength. Personal time alone with God. When you read the Gospels and you read the red, Jesus was always leaving the crowds and often leaving the disciples and going somewhere alone and getting with God. For instance, after he spent a whole night alone in prayer to God, he came down off a mountain and chose his 12 disciples. So personal time alone with God was Jesus' source of strength. Fourth, every person who has been effective in service for God developed this habit, and we can name them. Abraham, Moses, David, Daniel, Paul. You remember Daniel was willing to go to the lion's den rather than give up his daily prayer time with God, which he did three times a day. It was his habit. He had a holy habit. And then fifth, you cannot be a healthy Christian without it. I promise you. If the only uh, time you're really with God is on a Sunday morning, say, I can tell you right now, you're a little bit spiritually anemic. You may not feel like it, but you are. See, Sunday ought to be the time we all get together after having had a great time with God personally all week long and the glory breaks loose. Because we all come in here full instead of dragging our feet. Man, you better feed me because it's been a rough week. But the bottom line is, were you with God every, every day? Because I get with God every day. It's a holy habit. God worked into my life years and years ago. And I don't do anything until I get with God. I will not, I will not watch TV. I will not get on the phone. I will not, I'm going to say it, go to Facebook <laughs> until I've seen his face. Amen? 
So here's the five blanks again, created, died, source of strength, service, and healthy. Now here's the purpose of a daily quiet time. It is number one, to give devotion to God. Why am I getting with God every day? To give devotion to God. Psalms 29.2 says, give to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. So to give devotion to God is the first purpose of a daily time with God. It says, Hezekiah was successful, and then it tells us why. Watch this, everybody. Because everything he did, he did in a spirit of complete devotion to his God. Did you catch that? That's why Hezekiah was successful. Because everything he did was in devotion to God. God deserves our devotion and God desires our devotion. Amen? Now, the the second purpose of a daily quiet time, and this is a big one for me, to get direction from God. Show me the path where I should go, O Lord. Point out the right road for me to walk. Lead me. Notice, show me, point out, lead me. David was seeking direction. How many of you can say, I need direction virtually every day. I I, I need a word from God every day. Amen? You know, God, God is not a God of stale bread. God gives fresh bread. And he gives fresh direction. The Bible says, ponder the path of your feet. Here's two things you do in a quiet time. When you're in that quiet time, regarding the direction of God, when we get down, we say, Lord, I need direction today. Here's what you do. First, ponder the path of your own feet and let all your ways be established. What direction are you going? Are you going down that narrow road that leads to life? Is there any area of your life where you're kind of getting away from the Lord, straying a little bit? Or are you staying tight with Jesus, okay? You, you, you ponder the path of your feet. And then Proverbs says, Let all, in all your ways acknowledge him. And he'll direct your path. That just means, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm headed out the door. I acknowledge you. You're my God. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. I'm totally submitted to you. Lord, today, direct my path. Amen. I believe God orders our steps every day. I believe a lot of the things that we call um, mistakes or even sometimes accidents are actually divine interruptions. God directs our steps. But particularly when you're saying, Lord, today I'm looking to you, guide me. Commit your day. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Psalms 37.5 says, one of my favorite psalms, trust him to help you do it and he will. Now, third purpose of a daily quiet time is to gain delight in God. This is so good. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. If you delight yourself in the Lord. You know, um, when my children want to get with me, I'll be honest with you. I don't want them to get with me for what they can get. I want them to get with me because they want to be with me. Amen. Amen. Now, I really do believe that when you really start getting to know God, when you really start pressing in, I believe the Christian life goes from duty to delight. God doesn't want our drawing near to him to be a duty. He wants it to be a delight. Amen? I delight in his presence. I delight in spending time with him. Amen? 
David said, God's presence fills me with joy and brings me pleasure. Now, here's the fact. The better I get to know Christ, the more I love him. Amen. The better I get to know Christ, the more I love him. I cannot, uh, if I know Jesus more today than I did six months ago, then I guarantee I love him more too. Because to know him is to love him. The objective of your, of your quiet time is not to study about Christ, but to actually spend time with him. Now, number four is to grow daily like God, to grow daily like God. That's the purpose of a quiet time, to grow daily like God, more like Jesus. The Bible says, as you know him better and better, God will give you through his great power everything you need for a for living a truly good life. He has promised to save us and to give us his own character. And I love this one, Acts 4.13. When the council, that is the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees and whatnot, saw the boldness of Peter and John, they were amazed and realized what being with Jesus had done for them. See, we become like him as we're with him. Amen? Amen? Jesus is more caught than taught. He rubs off on you. Amen? You ever notice you become like who you run with? You ever notice that? That's why you got to be real selective who you hang around with. Man, I, I hope, hopefully you're running around with people that walk with God. Because if you're running around with people that walk with God, the Bible says it's like iron sharpening iron. But if you're running around with people that don't honor God, it's going to pull you down. It's going to dull your own spiritual life. But if you're, if you're, I hate to put it this way, but if you're hanging with Jesus every day, if you're pressing into him and learning more about him, he's going to rub off on you. Yes. Amen? Amen? Now, how do you begin a daily quiet time? How do, how do you make it happen? First of all, you've got to select a specific time. And I would suggest that whatever time you select, you keep that time. Here, here comes the holy habit. Here's how we develop the holy habit. You select a specific time. The best time to have a quiet time is when I am at my best. And when are you at your best? I don't know about you, but I am not at my best when I come home after a long day. Oh no, I'm beat up. I'm dragging. I, I need to get with God. I'm my best when I get up in the morning before I've gone on Facebook, before I've looked at the TV, before I've read any news, anything to pull me down. I'm at my very best when I first get up. Now, there's reasons for considering an early morning quiet time. You don't have to, but I think for the most part, that's the best time. First, the example of Bible characters. We find that Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Hannah, Job, Hezekiah, David, Daniel, Jesus, they all got with God in the morning, right off the bat. We're told that Jesus often arose before the sun rose, early when it was still dark. Jesus would get up and get with God. And boy, if Jesus needed to, where does that leave us? Amen? And it seems logical to begin the day with it. The best time to tune your instrument is before you play the concert, not after. Amen? Amen. Third, it demonstrates that meeting with God is your number one priority. What did Jesus say? Seek ye third? First, the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So when you get with God first, you're, you're basically saying to God, you are most important to me. You're more important than anything else. Amen. You give him the first part of your day. 
you're likely to be more rested, your mind less cluttered, and it's often the quietest time. Amen? Amen. Whatever time you set, be consistent. Be consistent with it. Whatever time you set, be consistent. Now, how long should a quiet time be? Everybody say with me, long enough. Now, I'm going to give you just a guideline. But you sure don't have, and this is for beginners, you sure don't have to go with this. But here's a guideline. If you're just starting out, start with 15 minutes and let it grow. I'll make a little prediction. You start with 15. If you don't look at your watch, you're going to break 15 the first day or two. All right? But start with 15. Don't watch the clock. When I'm preaching, I I can tell whether or not I'm kind of losing them because they get clock-eyed on me. They start doing this. (laughs) Looking around. Uh, That doesn't happen to me much, but I see it sometimes. One time a guy went to sleep on me, right about where they are. And I came, now this is a long time ago. I'm not going to do this to you. This is when I was a little more feisty. I came off the stage, walked right up to him and said, hey, everybody. He woke up and looked right at me. Tried to act like he was in prayer, but I knew he had not been in prayer. I really did. Ask me if he ever went to sleep again in my church. Never, never, never again. But, but God doesn't want us getting clock-eyed either. Amen. You know, where we're just like this all the time. Oh, my time's almost up like we're in prison or something. No. Don't watch the clock. Emphasize quality, not quantity. Amen. Choose a special place. I love this. It says Jesus left the city and went as he usually did to the Mount of Olives to pray. Everybody say as he usually did. Now, this was Jesus' holy habit. He prayed all the time. And look what it says, very early in the morning, still dark. But, but he went where he usually did. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, not lift, but left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. So Jesus had a favorite place. And I do too. It's a chair for me. It's it's the chair where I pray. It's the chair where I study. It's the chair where I have my devotional. It's a chair. I mean, my dogs all know it. They know exactly where I'm going in the morning. Because, see, I didn't tell you everything. Before I open the Bible, I do go to the Keurig and get coffee. Because on the eighth day, God made coffee and said, it is good. But I get the coffee and and I go straight for the chair. And my dogs are there waiting for me. They know where I'm going. And you know what? They know when I'm done. When I say in Jesus name, they both come out and go to the door and wait for me to let them out. Cause they know when I'm done. When I say in Jesus name, it's true. Do I have holy dogs? I think if there's any saved dogs in Fort Worth, they got to be mine. Amen. And they've learned when I really get heated in prayer and I, and I really lift my voice at first, it troubled them. Now they know exactly what's going on. And they just watch me pace. Like everything's fine. I got you. You're covered anyway. Now, so choose a special place where you're not going to be disturbed, where you're not going to be bothered. It's your place to get with God. Third, gather the resources you're going to need. Of course, a Bible I read this today with readable print. I don't know what that means, because if it's print, it's readable, unless you've got Chinese or something. 
But I, I assume when I originally did this, what I meant was a, a version you understand best. Okay? A notebook if you want to write things down. A songbook if you want to sing. If you're, there's some favorite songs you like to sing, sing them. Sing to the Lord. Fourth, begin with the right attitudes. Forget, scratch out beginning. Just begin with the right attitudes. The first one, reverence. Be still and know that I am God. That's reverence. That's reverence. Be still and know that I am God. Second, expectancy. David prayed, open my eyes to see wonderful things in your word. I have prayed that a thousand times. That's one of my favorite verses. When David would get into the word, he said, oh God, open my eyes. Let me see incredible things in your word today. Speak to me. So we ought to be expectant. And then willingness to obey. Whoever is willing to do what he wants will know. That's what it should say. Whoever is willing to do what he wants will know. Whoever is willing to do what he wants. And then follow a simple plan. 15 minutes with God. Here's how you get started. First, relax. Breathe deep and just relax. The Bible says be still and quiet. Slow down. Prepare your heart. Take a few deep breaths and wait on God. And then second, read. Now this just says four minutes. Man, for, for new beginners, four minutes. But I, I challenge you to make that last even a week. You're going to read more than four minutes. If you're on the Through the Bible in a Year plan with us, you're in it way more than four minutes. But this is for beginners. Begin, begin reading where you left off the day before. Read until you feel God has told you something, then stop and think about it, which leads to the third one, reflect. Reflect. And you can go back to the section on how to meditate on God's word. Reflect, think about, meditate. You may use the space pets. If you don't know what that means, go back to last week's um, teaching, and you'll, you'll find that's an acronym, and you'll find out what it is. Or any of the six methods of meditation we went over. Think about how the passage that spoke to you, applies to you? What is God saying to you? Because God is speaking to you, right to you. That's the difference, folks, between a logos and a rhema. Logos is the written word. It's just the Bible. When you open it, there's the logos, the written word. But a rhema word is what the Holy Spirit touches and makes alive to you. He speaks to you out of it. That's a rhema word. And I never have a time with God that I don't experience a rhema word. Where it just speaks to me. And I write down something about it. I never read my Bible in the morning without a pen and a marker. Because something is going to speak to me. Something is going to talk to me. Something is going to move on me. Okay? Now, then fourth, record. Record. Write out a personal application statement that is practical, possible, not passable, but possible and measurable. Write out a personal application. So you write down, what does this mean to me and how can I do it today? How can I do it? How can I do it? And then request. Pray based on what you read. 
pray. And we're going to talk about the habit of prayer in just a little bit, but uh, so this will make more sense then. But conclude your quiet time by talking to God about what he has shown you and making your request from your prayer list. I'll give you an example. In my daily reading, uh, going through the Bible in a year today, I read about, in Judges, the chariots of iron. How many of you read that today, the chariots of iron? Okay, now, the, the children of Israel were brought into bondage by a king who had 900 chariots of iron. And it was those chariots of iron that he used to oppress them and keep them down. And so it looked impossible. And I started thinking, what is a chariot of iron? Well, a chariot of iron is anything the enemy uses to keep you down. I mean, we all have different chariots of iron. It can be fear. It can be doubt. It can be lust. It can be it can be unforgiveness, but there is, there is this one thing the devil uses to keep you down. But then when they pray for deliverance, God raised up a woman named Deborah Amen. who led them into a battle, and God totally overthrew them. And even though they had 900 of these awesome chariots of iron, which were the worst weapons of war of that day, God brought them into the dust and gave them deliverance. And it said to me, nothing the devil uses against you can succeed if God goes to fight for you. Nothing can hold you down if God goes to fight for you. So I prayed, okay, Lord, if there's any chariot of iron in my life today, thank you that you have the victory over it. It will not succeed because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. So if it's drugs, alcohol, if it's a habit, a bad habit, it's a chariot of iron, I want you to know Jesus has given you the victory over it. Amen. See, I can preach. just not what I read this morning. Amen. Now, how do you overcome the problems with your quiet time? How to overcome your problems with your quiet time? Here's the problems. The problem of discipline. That's a big one. Your first problem in establishing a quiet time will face you the moment you wake up each morning when the alarm goes off and the first word that goes through your head is snooze button. And it's called the battle of the blankets, especially in the winter. The battle of the blankets. Oh, am I really going to get these blankets off and get up and get with God? And so watch this. You've got to go to bed. If you're going to overcome that problem, the problem of discipline, you've got to go to bed on time. Go to bed on time. And then get up immediately. Rebuke snooze button. Get up immediately. And be aware of quiet time robbers. Now, let me name a few. The phone. Have you ever noticed? I was with God today. Let me show you what happened. I was with God today. Three things happened immediately when I sat down to get with God today. The first one, the phone rang. The second, the doorbell rang. The third one, the phone rang again. Well, there was another one. The fourth one, my saved dogs wanted to go outside. Okay, so I had four things hit me when I sat down and got ready to get with God. So I, had, I took the phone and I took it into another room and threw it on the couch and shut the door where I couldn't hear it anymore right. I let the dogs out and left them out. And I went back in to my room and I got with God after several interruptions, the quiet time robbers, distracting thoughts. I'm going to say it again. Facebook, 
That little bell goes off that tells you somebody has messaged you. Have you noticed we are like Pavlov's dogs with that now? That thing goes off somewhere in the house and you drop everything and run to it because somebody messaged you. Oh my gosh. What about if God is messaging you? I mean, we really have become trained like seals to cater to those iPhones and iPads. You got to take it into another room. You will live if you don't check that message immediately. Fall asleep thinking spiritual thoughts. Now, I'm going to tell you what I do. I go to sleep every night listening to a message. That's just my way of going to sleep. I want to hear the word when I go to sleep. So I find a good message, and I go to sleep listening to a good message. Well, how can you go to sleep if it's a good message? Because listening to the word helps me settle down. It helps my mind to quiet. And I love going to sleep, listening to somebody preach or teach the word. Now, that's just me. But I fall asleep thinking spiritual thoughts. Okay? Satan will try to use anything to get your mind to wander during a quiet time. So, get out of bed. Get thoroughly awake. Read and pray aloud if it's going to wake you up. Walk during your prayer time. Pace. I even have a pacing trail in my house. It's this one hallway, and I pace it back and forth. I just pace it. Keep a notebook nearby to write down what God is saying to you. Now, let's talk about another. Now, did you get those? Bed, awake, aloud, walk, notebook nearby. Let's talk about the problem of dryness. Sometimes you'll feel like you're not getting anything out of your quiet time. That's called the battle of the blahs. Never judge your quiet time by your feelings. Because the word is going to go into you. Listen, the word is going to be sown into you whether you feel it or not. The word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. And it discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the word of God goes down into the soil of your soul whether or not you feel it. Amen? Amen? Now let me give you some possible causes of spiritual dryness. Your physical condition. You're too tired. You didn't go to bed on time. Second, disobedience to God. Sin. Sin will bring spiritual dryness. David talks about how his bones were dried in the Psalms when he had not repented for his sin. He he felt like his bones were dried up. Rushing your quiet time. The Bible says be still. Don't rush, but be still and know that I am God. Literal translation of that is let go and relax. Knowing that I am God. Don't rush your quiet time. Getting in a rut. Not sharing insights with others. You know, it really helps if you have somebody you can, you can call or talk to during the day and say, hey, what did God talk to you about in your quiet time? And, and then your spouse, that, that's a great person to talk with. Um, whoever it is that you can talk about spiritual things with, what did God say to you? Talk about it. Talk it up. Because, listen, God is talking if we're listening. 
Okay? Now, fourth, the problem of diligence. There's the problem of discipline. There's the problem of distractions. There's the problem of dryness. And there's the problem of diligence. Your greatest problem will be your struggle to stay consistent. I find Satan's fight fights nothing harder than my quiet time. Because, you know, folks, as the pastor of the church, let me tell you, you get fed from my quiet time. Amen. If I didn't have a quiet time, you know, there's Rolodex preachers. You ever heard about a Rolodex preacher? They just got a Rolodex, and they go, what did I say at this time last year? It's on a Rolodex, and they just flip through the Rolodex and pick a message they've already preached, and you get stale bread. But if I'm going to give you fresh bread, I've got to get fresh bread. And that means I've got to gather the manna every morning. And I don't just say, well, what did I say last year? I say, Lord, what are you saying to the church? And I wait, but I wait for the word to come to me in my quiet time. Okay? But I've got to be diligent. I've got to be diligent. So make a covenant or a vow to God. I'm going to get up, Lord, and I'm going to get with you. Schedule it on your calendar. Be prepared for Satan's excuses. You need to take care of this and that and the other. No, you don't. Get with God. Mary has chosen the good thing that will not be taken away from her. Martha, Martha. Leave your Bible open at night to the passage for the next day. Get, get a head start. There, there it is. It's already open for me. All I got to do is read it. Now, what if I miss a day? Everybody say, no big deal. Don't get legalistic. That's the third one. First, don't get on a guilt trip. So you missed a day. A lot of you started on the Through the Bible in a Year with us, January 1st, and you've gotten a few days behind. Just pick up on today and begin again. Don't give up. Don't get on a guilt trip. Don't give up. And don't get legalistic with yourself. God is not beating you over the head because you missed a day. God's saying, come on, we can do it. It takes three weeks. I'm on page 44 now. It takes three weeks for you to become familiar with a new task. Then it takes another three weeks before it becomes a comfortable habit. So that's 42 days. And I read, and I'm going to share this a little bit later in the message tonight. I read, actually, it probably takes more like 62 days or so. To really develop a new habit. But I'll get to that. We can start with three and three. It takes three weeks to become familiar with a new task. Three weeks before it becomes a comfortable habit. So that right there is 42 days. The Bible says, let us not get tired of doing what is right. For after a while, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged. And what, everyone? Give up. Now, there's a prayer of commitment. You can pray that prayer. I encourage you to go back to it and read it. And let's just go to the next section now. The habit of prayer. We talked about the habit of getting into the word. Now the habit of prayer. The Bible says, base your happiness on your hope in Christ. When trials come, endure them patiently. Steadfastly maintain, say it with me, the habit of prayer. Now how do you revitalize your prayer life? How many of you wish you had a stronger prayer life? Let me see. Tell the truth. Amen. Me too. All right. Number one, you've got to approach prayer with the right attitude. And here's the first right attitude. You've got to be real. 
Don't come into God's presence. Oh, thou God, if thou wouldest, I know thou couldest. Don't do that. Talk like you would talk to your friend. You know, Jesus, I hate to break it to you. He did not speak in King James English. I don't know why people do, right? So just be real. Be real with God. You have to work at that. When you pray, Jesus said, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the street corners to be seen by men. And you know these people. They pray real loud so everybody looks, and they really do. That thee thou wouldest, shouldest, goodest, they talk that way. And they want you to go, ooh, aren't they spiritual? But, but Jesus said, don't do that. Jesus said, get real. There's nothing you can tell God that will shock God. Okay? Don't try to impress God. Don't try to impress others. Be relaxed. Jesus said, when you go into your, your room, prayer room, close the door. Pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, what will he do? If you get real with God, and you get up and get with God, and you spend time with God, and you pray to God, here is an incredible promise. What you do in secret, he will reward you openly. To the point that other people will even be able to see the blessing on your life. Be revealing. Be relaxed and be revealing. Jesus said, don't recite the same prayer over and over as the heathen do. Who think prayers are answered only by repeating them again and again and again. Remember, your father knows exactly what you need before you ask him. So in other words, don't do memorized prayers. Unless it's the Lord's Prayer. I pray the Lord's Prayer. But aside from that, don't read some memorized prayer out of some book. Talk to God. Be honest with God. Tell God the truth. Tell him your heart. Tell him your real feelings. Tell him your doubts. Tell him your fears. Tell him your letdowns. Tell him your struggles. Tell him your temptations. Tell him. David said, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Use the model Jesus gave us, and this is the Lord's Prayer. I love praying through the Lord's Prayer. Real quickly, here's how you do it. First, it begins by praise. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's, that is an expression of praise. Amen. So I begin by expressing my love for God. I begin by expressing my love for God. Now, there's two kinds of praise. Adoration which is praising God for who he is, and thanksgiving, which is praising God for what he has done. I praise God for what he's done for me, and I praise God for who he is to me. He's a great God. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving for what he's done, into his courts with praise for who he is. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. Now, How do you praise God? Well, as you read your Bible, you make a list of God's character qualities. And it tells us all kinds of things about what God is like. We would never know apart from the Bible. Next page, give you some examples. We know that God is patient. How many of you are so glad God is patient? He's merciful. 
Thank God he's merciful. His mercies are new every morning. He is forgiving. Oh, thank God he's forgiving. He knows everything. I often say to you, he never says, well, I'll be. Never. Right? Because you can't tell him anything he doesn't already know. He knows everything. And he's loving. So here's the key. God's character is the basis for our boldness in making a request in prayer. God answers the prayer that the prayers that acknowledge who he is. Remind yourself and affirm the promises God has made that are contained in the meaning of his names. Like I say, Lord, I really need for you to provide this or that. And I thank you that you're a Jehovah Jireh, my provider. So based on one of his names, I pray for provision. Lord, I need you to heal me because you're Jehovah Rophi, the Lord who heals. Or Lord, I really need better separation from the world. Thank you that you are the God who sanctifies me. I mean, his names all through the Bible, all right? And then number two, purpose. I commit myself to God's purpose and will for my life. Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's the second part of the Lord's Prayer. And that is where I pray, Lord, let your kingdom come to my life. May your kingdom be established in my life. I pray for myself, my family, my church, my ministry, my job, my future, my city, the nation, the world. Thy kingdom come. Come, kingdom of God. And be done, will of God. The Bible says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. Third, the Lord's Prayer goes into praying for provision. I ask God to provide for my needs by praying, give us today our daily bread. This teaches us to be daily dependent on God. I need bread today, Lord. I need the breath of life today. I need strength today. I need my mind to be sharp today. Lord, thank you for providing for me today. And what needs can I pray about? All of them. All of them. God will supply how many of your needs? All your needs. From his riches and glory because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. And the key is, be specific. If you need $120.33, pray for $120.33. Say, come on, Jeff, God doesn't, he's not that specific. Oh, yes, he is. Oh, yes, he is. The good thing about God is, you pray for $120.33, he brings along $150 because he's good. Because he's good. Amen? James said, you don't have because you're not asking God. What a, what a verse that is for specificity in prayer. So write down your requests with a promise you're claiming from the Bible and expect an answer. And I'm going to show you a place to put that in just a minute, to write it down. Then fourth, pardon. I ask God to forgive my sins by praying, forgive me my debts. So it gets my conscience clear every day. And then four steps to forgiveness. I ask the Holy Spirit to reveal every sin. David said, examine me, O God, and know my mind. Test me and discover my thoughts. Find out if there is any evil in me. Second, confess each sin specifically. 
Lord, I gossiped. Lord, I lusted. Lord, I doubted. Lord, I hated. Lord, I didn't forgive. You name it. Proverbs 28, 13, you will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Confess them and give them up. Then God will show mercy to you. Third, make restitution to others when necessary. When you remember your brother has something against you, Jesus said, go at once to make peace with him. Then come back and offer your gift to God. Fourth, by faith, accept God's forgiveness. I pretty often will have somebody come into the altar and say to me, Pastor Jeff, you know, I repented. I came down on the altar call, but I did something, and I, I just can't imagine that God forgave me. Well, what would you do? And, the, and they'll say, well, I even had somebody tell me once, in this altar, I murdered somebody. I killed somebody. And there they were in the altar. I committed adultery, I this or I that. And, and they can't accept that God would forgive them. But let me tell you something. There's not a sin you can commit that's greater than the blood. Amen. Not one. And so when you ask for forgiveness, you accept it. God forgives you. God forgives you. I want you to say with me, God forgives me. No matter what I've done. Come on. No matter what I've done. Now say this, or how many times I've done it. Because if he told Peter, you need to forgive your brother 490 times in one day, then don't you think God can do that? Amen. All right. Then the Lord's Prayer leads us to praying for others, as we have also forgiven our debtors. You've got to forgive others as God has forgiven you. Pray much for others. Plead for God's mercy upon them. Give thanks for all he is going to do for them. And then the last thing the Lord's Prayer takes us to is praying for protection. I ask for protection. And lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from, not evil, but the Greek says the evil one, the devil. Deliver me from the evil one. That's praying for protection. And then I love the illustration on the next page because I'm a cyclist. I love cycling. So I love this illustration. Believers face a spiritual battle every day. Satan wants to defeat you through temptation and fear. By praying for protection, you'll have the confidence to face every situation during the day. The spirit who is in you is more powerful than the spirit who is in those who belong to the world. Now, when you look at this bicycle, it just sort of sums up by using the spokes in the front and back wheel. First, you see in the hub, you see the word. And then with each spoke, hear, read, study, memorize, meditate, apply. That's how you get into the word. Then the front wheel, the hub says prayer. And that is comprised of praise, purpose, provision, pardon, people, and protection. Folks, this is good stuff. I got to tell you, this is good stuff. I mean, you get up in the morning, you just look at this bicycle. And ride the bike. Amen? Just ride the bike in, in your time with God. Now, we give you some prayer guides here. You can pretty much figure it out. The trait there is God is faithful. He's righteous. The light. He's a light. There's the Bible verses. Prayer guide number two, we give you the eight names of God. 
that are revealed in the Bible and what those names mean for you. I encourage you to go through those. They're powerful. He is with me. He's my shepherd. He's my provider. He's my healer. He's my righteousness. He's my sanctifier. He's my peace. He's my banner. Amen. In the next uh, page, you can write down the, the prayers God has answered. That's your Thanksgiving list. And then prayer God number four, what you do is you put down the date you prayed for something, what you prayed for under request, the promise you're standing on for praying for it, and then write down the date that God answers it. Amen? Then you can go back the next year and go, wow, look at all the prayers that God answered. Okay? Now let's go into the habit of fellowship and we're coming in for the close. Habit of fellowship. Another holy habit, the third holy habit. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage each other. Now, why is coming to church so important instead of watching Joel Osteen on TV? I really said it. I really said it. Or whoever you watch on TV. Okay? I really said it. I went there. But here's why coming to church and getting around people with skin on them is better than watching an image. Number one, I belong in God's family with other believers. I don't, I don't fellowship with a screen. I fellowship with people. Amen. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You are a member of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household. You belong where? In God's household. With who? Every other Christian. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I'm going to say this. You talk about the third holy habit here. I've never known a truly victorious believer who was not regularly in church. I've never, you, show me somebody who starts to drift away from church and I'll show you somebody who is developing some spiritual issues. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it's just what I've seen. And I have pastored 34 years. So I, I've seen the underbelly of the church. I know how a church works. You go, well, Jeff, it's all the hypocrites there. Well, you're one too. Because you're not going to church. <laughs> It's all those hypocrites. Well, of course there's hypocrites. And, and we're all, somewhere, aren't we? Somewhere, we're all a little bit hypocritical and we need to repent of it. Amen. We don't all walk perfectly. Yeah, well, it's all those hypocrites. Well, come on. Come help us hypocrites. We need you. Amen. Joel's a hypocrite too. Any of those people you're listening to or watching on TV, they're hypocrites too. They mess up somewhere, somehow, some way. So instead of staying away, come and help us be better. Well, I'm salty tonight a little bit. I'm a little salty. But the Christian who's not committed to a group of other believers for praying, sharing, and serving so that he is known as he knows others is not an obedient Christian. He is not in the will of God. However vocal he may be in his theology, he's not obeying the Lord. And that's what Dr. Ray Orden said. Amen, Ray. Amen. Number two, I need encouragement to grow spiritually. Let us think of one another 
and how we can encourage each other to love and do good deeds. On my way here tonight, somebody called me and encouraged me. They've been listening to my message on radio that I was listening to a little bit of on the way here. I said, wow, boy, you just hit the, you rang the bell. They said, I know you know that, but I wanted to tell you it was really good. Well, you know what? I needed that encouragement. And, and we encourage one another. Two are better than one. If one of them falls down, the other can help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, it's just too bad because there's no one to help him. Two men can resist an attack that would defeat one man alone. A rope made of three cords is hard to break. So we need one another. Third, I need people to grow spiritually. I belong in God's family. I need encouragement to grow. And I need people to grow spiritually. People learn from one another, just as iron sharpens iron. Every day, keep encouraging one another so that none of you is hardened by the glamour of sin. Brothers, if somebody is trapped in some sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. All right, number four, Christ is present when we fellowship together. For wherever, wherever two or three have come together in my name, I am there right among them. Number five, there is great power when people pray together. Whenever two of you on earth agree about anything you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. A sixth reason we need to be in church. Fellowship is a witness to the world. Your neighbors know that you believe. Your neighbors know you're a Christian. And your neighbors see your car in the driveway on Sundays if you don't go. I'm, I'm serious. My neighbors, they see me go out. Well, of course, I've got, I'm the preacher. But you know what? Before I was ever a pastor, I was there every time the doors opened. I couldn't wait to see what God was going to do, and I was hungry for a word from God. So always remember, somebody's watching. If you walk, you talk. Jesus said, my prayer for all of them is they will be of one heart and mind, so the world will believe you sent me. Seventh, I am obligated to every other Christian. God has given you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to do what, everyone? Help each other. That's number seven. I'm obligated to every other Christian to help them with my gift. Now, how can a large church maintain close friendships? Every member needs to be part of a life group. They met day after day in the temple courts and from where? House to house, Acts 5.42. So they had two ways of going to church in, in, the, in the first century. They, they went, met in the temple, and they met in people's houses, from house to house. So there's two types of church meetings, in the sanctuary, large group, and in homes, small groups. At Turning Point Church, we believe our church must grow larger and smaller at the same time. Larger numerically but smaller in, in that we begin to get to know one another and we're no longer strangers to each other. And what is the purpose of our small groups? Here they are quickly. I'm going to zip right through them. Are you ready? Number one, Bible study. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Number two, fellowship. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. Third, communion. 
It says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Number four, prayer. And they devoted themselves to prayer. Number five, support and love. They gave to anyone as he had a need. Number six, social. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Do you know the Bible says in Romans 12, 13, get into the habit of inviting guests home for dinner or if they need lodging for the night. Now be careful with that one. I got to footnote that one with a great big be careful. I would really suggest you, you know somebody pretty well and they be of the same gender before you invite them to lodge for the night. funny what you got to say these days but you got to say it these days because some of you are all right i can invite him over for the night no you got to be careful with that (laughs) seven praising it says praising god and enjoying the favor of all the people and eight outreach the lord added to their number how often daily those who are being saved All right, quickly, I'm going to go through these good habits just in one or two minutes. Step one, how to start and maintain a good habit. Desire. Desire. God gives you the desire. It says it is God who works in you both to will and then to do. So notice God gives you the the desire before moving you to do based on the desire. So number one, desire. Two, decision. If you want that good habit, you start right now. Don't pray about it. Don't say next year. Do it right now. Begin right now. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate. Get up in the morning. Strike while the iron of desire is hot. Third, declaration. Announce your intentions publicly. Make a covenant or a resolution. The power of a vow is awesome. Psalm 76, 11 says, make vows to the Lord your God and then fulfill them. So desire, decision, declaration. Step four, determination. Never allow an exception until the new habit is securely rooted in your life. Now you notice the the blanks below where I say it takes blank to blank repetitions to develop a new habit, to learn something, to develop a new habit. Actually, it takes 49 to 66 days. I looked that up today. The latest studies, we always hear it takes 21 days to get a new habit. No, the latest studies show for something to be really ingrained in us, where it is a real habit, 49 to 66 days. Step five, do it. Everybody say, do it. Whenever you feel the slightest urge or prompting to practice this new habit, Jump and do it right then. You're sitting there watching TV and the urge comes on you to pray. Man, turn off that TV and head to the prayer closet and pray. Move on it. And then step six, double up. Get a partner who will support you and encourage you. And then the last step, seven, depend on God. Always depend on God. Rely on God's power to help you establish that habit. And I'm going to tell you, you will develop a holy habit. You will develop new holy habits. Amen?
the habit of a quiet time, the habit of time in God's word, and the habit of, of um, prayer. All right? Let's stand together, can we? Amen. How many of you are ready for a holy habit or two? Amen. Amen. If you develop those holy habits, you're going to grow. There is no way you will not grow spiritually. Let's thank God. Lord, we just thank you right now for your blessing, for your power, for your grace, for your presence. And we just lift our hands tonight and say with me, Lord Jesus, help me to develop holy habits that they are ingrained in my character so that I can grow up into you in all things, in Jesus' name. Let's sing one worship song before we go.